0: hello happy friday august 19th officially marking the third end of the third week here of the very dull month of august in the off season though there was a lot of action around the nhl yesterday nazem Kadri officially becoming a member of the calgary Flames, sean Monahan being moved to make money that topic is going to be coming up on today's episode that's going to be in the second segment where we look into just how high prices are you know, just to move a player, you know, even of Monahan's caliber and how that could be a factor here with the Penguins with about a month to go until training camp. But starting out for today's episode, though, Todd Reardon was promoted to associate coach and was given a two-year contract extension. So I'm going to get into that, give my thoughts and why, you know, I think this is a totally fine move for the Penguins. And then to end the show, we're going to get into some early trade candidates for next season as the Penguins will, I think – um, be looking for some kind of forward help by the trade deadline if they don't make any more moves during the offseason here. So that's all coming up right after this drop. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. and also follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen of the day. So it was pretty quiet, obviously, in Penguin land. And then, boom, the team announces Tar Reardon has been promoted and has been given a two-year contract extension. He is now the associate coach of the Penguins um, right under Mike Sullivan and Ron Hextall said on the official website, you know, he plays an important role on our coaching staff. He has a proven impact on the defenseman and contributes to the coaching staff as a whole with his wealth of knowledge from over a decade as an NHL coach. We are excited to extend his contract. Mike Sullivan even said he challenges us as coaches to be better every day and his relationships with the players are invaluable. He is deserving of this promotion. We are excited for him. You know, my initial reaction for this was, you know what? Sure. Why not? You know, I think he's done a really nice job with the defenseman. On this team. I mean, Matheson last year had the best year of his career. Um, Matheson himself has even said before he got traded that Reardon is the best coach that he's ever had at the NHL level. That is how important he, you know, was when he was here for those last couple of seasons. He really, you know, turned his game around, cleaned up a lot of those defensive issues that you know were plaguing him when he was in Florida, and then unlocked even more parts of of his offensive game. And boom, you saw a defenseman that really flourished, even though it was on the third pairing for a lot of last year. But, you know, he still put up the best numbers of his career, and a lot of that was due to Reardon. Chris Tang, he had one of, if not the best season of his career last year, set a new career high in points, was great in his in the defensive zone. His underlinings are really good. Him and Todd have always had a very close relationship, um, going way back to when Reardon was on the staff, when Dan Bilesma was here. So... um, those two are very close. I thought Trevor Guido last year made a lot of big time strides. Um, heck, remember, even when Cody Cece came in, you know, we were all like, well, you know, Cody, he's, he's not been good anywhere, but, you know, they have Reardon here and he's able to turn his game around. Cody goes out, signs a, a massive extension, well, a massive extension, a massive deal with the Edmonton Oilers where he's getting, what, over $3 million per year to play on the third pair. So, you know, he, he knows what he's doing. And, you know, part of that – You saw he got head coaching opportunities this year. The Chicago Blackhawks, they interviewed him um, for their job. I think the Boston Bruins, it was either him or Verlucci um, that that they interviewed. And and I think, honestly, now that he's an associate um, and teams are starting to see the success that he's had with the Penguins again, I think it's only a matter of time before he becomes an NHL head coach again. Maybe it's next year. Maybe it's the year after that. If he's still on the staff, I would like to think that he will be. Um, But I think the Penguins are grooming him, even though they like him, but I think they're kind of grooming him to get another shot at being a head coach um, in the NHL. Now, a lot of people are probably going to say to me, well, Hunter, what about the power play last year? And yes, I understand the power play was not as good as it was the year before. It finished 19th in the NHL. Um, But I do think, you know, it's not just you know what Reardon is drawing up. I think the scheme is mainly okay. I think part of it or or a decent chunk um of it is that it, it's the execution. You know, the penguins they pass up so many looks, you know, on the power play, especially on a five-on-three. We saw that firsthand against the New York Rangers, but they, they had that member that five on three for two minutes in game five, they had a chance to really put that game away right there. Even though it was two nothing late in the second period, they, they could have jumped on them even earlier, but no, you know, they, they, they overpassed. They don't shoot the puck a lot more. Um I don't think that's Reardon's doing. I think it's just the Penguins, you know, as the, as the top players, they're just trying to look for that perfect play, even though um they should, you know, they, they just have to take what's given to them. So, um you know, I, I think, Less of just trying to be like the Harlem Globetrotters and more to just getting down to business should be beneficial to them um, next year. But I also saw this great point here in the the Friday Insider, DK Pittsburgh Sports, Danny Shirey, um, wrote a really um, good paragraph here about the power play last year. Um, The Penguins, so they scored 7.3 goals per, per hour on the power play. But... They generated 8.7 expected goals per hour. That's the highest of the Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin era. So they they were getting the chances. It's just, you know, <clears throat> what was the common denominator? They weren't putting the puck in the back of the net. And honestly, Jens, that was probably the common denominator for most of this team all season, whether it's 4v5, 5v5, 5v4, 5v3, whatever. The, the Penguins, most of their underlings were really good. But one of the worst ones, their finishing ability bottom third the entire year. I'm pre, I'm pretty sure for a good amount of time, they were 31 or 32. Um, it went up, I only think, as high as like 27 or 28. That And it's funny because the year before, in 2020, 2021, the shortened season, they were the number one finishing team in hockey. You all can go look at the data, look at the numbers. I, I, I specifically remember talking about that on the show. They were the best finishing team in the league. And to go from that, to another end of the extreme, it's just – it's typical um, – that's, that's just like karma <laughs> right there. So I think the Penguins, you know, they weren't rewarded for some of their chances even though, again, I think a good – some of their problems were, you know, execution and just trying to be too cute. So I think, you know, you put – you combine all three of those things with bad luck and not executing and maybe a little bit of the scheme and that's what you get. You, get, you have an average power play that just did not do well enough because, you know, the year before – it was a top five unit. I'm about 95% sure that it was um, the number four unit in the league during the shortened season. So he has had power plays that have worked. It's just a matter of, you know, getting back to that, putting the puck in the back of the net more and just, you know, not getting um, so unlucky. So um, I, I don't, I, I think you're, you're pro- I think you're probably going to see um a little bit more of a regression to the mean for the power play next year, and also I think this is a big deal too. And I'm sure you all would agree. Evgeny Malkin is hopefully knock on wood here. He's going to be playing a full season, I'm sure, you might get hurt a little bit, but you know, he's not going to be out for the first 40 41 games of next year. He's going to be fully healthy going into training camp, going into preseason, going into the regular season. That is going to play. I think a big role into the power play being better than it, where it was um, last year when it finished 19th. You have him out there with Sid at all times. You have Chris Tang at the point. You have Jake Densel with his you know beautiful shot and playmaking ability. You have Brian Ross who can do his damage in front of the net. You know, I will gladly take my chances that this unit will get back to basics and will be a top five, top ten unit um, in the league. You know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a fan of Reardon. I think he's done a, mostly a pretty good job with the penguins again, his, you know, resume with defensemen speaks for itself. Um, want the power play to be better, but overall I do think it will be. And uh, I'm also really excited to watch him coach up Jeff Petrie, you know, Petrie, you know, he's been a Norris uh, candidate each of the last two seasons. Um, well, at least last season, early on, he was playing at a Norris caliber level. year um, before that, I thought he was one of the best defensemen in the league. So um, even though he's a bit older, I think he can definitely do a lot of work with him and especially someone like Ty Smith, you know, a young defenseman lost his way a little bit with Lindy Ruff's system in New Jersey last year. You know, can Todd work with him to get him back to the where the way he played during his rookie year, where he was just, you know, lighting things on fire. I, I know it's with the Devils, so it's not a high bar, but you know, he, he was still putting up pretty solid underlings. And you know, you, you look at hockey prospecting and stuff there, they are very high on him. That's for sure. So again, overall Yens. Happy. I'm fine with it, you know, why not at this point? As long as they don't fire Mike Sullivan at some point and then replace that him with Reardon, I think, you know, that uh, this is uh, fine. I just would not want Reardon being the head coach um, of this team. But again, I think I summarized everything I wanted to say um, for this segment. Coming up in the second segment, we're going to get into the Sean Monahan move yesterday and why it's looking, I think, increasingly unlikely that the Penguins might move I'm um, a big salary defenseman out before training camp starts. Before I get to that though, BetOnline.net is the fastest, easiest way to check in on all of your better needs. You can find all of your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds lines and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including MLB, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Ben online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts they have you covered. You can head to BetOnline today or use your phone to learn more about the trends in action. That ben is ben online, where the game starts. Alright, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Remember to follow me on Twitter, at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter, at LO, underscore Penguins. So, um, when the Flames, they had, when they were signing Kadri on Thursday and you know, I think that's a fine move for them. I, I will say this. It it is hard. It's easy for a GM to, you know, lose Kachuk and Gundro and be like, Hey, I'm going to blow this up. We stink. But you know what? Bradford Living was like, hold that thought. I'm going to go out and actually make my team better or try to make my team better. And he got Jonathan Huber out of it, Mackenzie Weger, and he got Nazim Kadri. You can do a lot worse than that, that you are still, I think, I mean, the, yeah, they are still a playoff team in my eyes. The Pacific Division is very weak going into next year. You have no idea who the favorite is at this point. What, Edmonton, McDavid, Dreisaitl, okay, but, I mean, goaltending, Jack Campbell. You know, Los Angeles, they're on the com- up and coming. Could they win it? Vegas, they don't have a goalie. Vancouver, I don't really know what their plan is. It, it's a very wide open division. So, theoretically, honestly, Calgary could win that division next year, even though they just lost two 100-point players um, but to sign Kadri, they had to make salary cap space, and they had to trade Sean Monahan, who just a few years ago I considered to be this. I, I might be a little too high. I might have considered him to be um, one of the top thirty best players in the league. And you look at Jay Fresh's player model. This was back from twenty nineteen. He went in the eighty sixth percentile for Windsor Bar replacement, ninety fourth percentile for even strength offense, ninety third percentile for power play, eighty third percentile for finishing. Um, primary assist per 60, 93%, goals for per 60, 90%. You look at now where he is, 22% wins of replacement, 24% even strength offense, 27th percentile for finishing. So 73% of his peers are better than him with that. 76% of his peers are better with offense, goals for 60, 13th percentile, defense below 50%. Um, He is just a completely different player. Um, And he's just, he's been banged up a lot ever since then, but still, you know, he was making, what, over, yeah, $6.4 for this season. The Flames had to give Montreal a first-round pick just to take on that contract. And yeah, you know, it's three years down the line, so the Flames are probably like, who cares? But still, that's a, that's a little bit of a hefty price to pay, you know, and especially, and I bring this up because the Penguins, I don't think Ron Hextall would be prepared to give up a first round pick to get rid of a Jason Zucker, a Brian Dumoulin, a Marcus Peterson. He wants to keep those picks so he can keep trying to, you know, stockpile their farm system, which has just been, you know, ravaged by all these trades. And I mean, that's what happens when you're in win now mode. I mean, every team is just gonna, you know, if you're in it to win it, you don't really care what your farm system looks like. Banners hang forever. The penguins, you know, they've won three in a row here. So I'm gonna open up my coke here i can do it perfect they've again they've won three in a row so i don't really think they care to be honest with you um so but still you know i don't think hextall is prepared to do that and especially you know those two players that can help them win right now you're just you're going to pay a first to get rid of that player and you know, especially someone like Doomlin, you know you know you don't have like a replacement for him even though there's probably a couple people that could do it, but you're taking a massive risk and you're are you willing to attach a first round pick to get rid of a, a player that Latang likes playing with and then try to figure out who could replace him in-house when that may not work that's risky same with Pederson, who's going to go up and play with Jeff Petrie in the second period you know do you, do you feel like you have someone that can do it there's risk there and this is why I think it's at this point, it's more likely to me that you're gonna see a depth defenseman get moved before the season so that they can get to the salary care, to the salary cap. You know, someone like again, like a POJ for a young forward that like gets on an ELC. Maybe it's someone like Mark Friedman for like a draft pick or something like that. Maybe it's Chad Reweedle, even though he had a good year last year. I think he would qualify there because right now if you're my starting six, I've said this on the podcast quite a few times for those that may be listening for the first time, Dumon Latang, Pedersen Petrie, Ty Smith, Jan Ruta. I think those are my six right there. Maybe you can make arguments for other players coming in. Maybe not, but you know, you leave a lot of good players out like POJ Mark Freeman, Chad Wheatle, who played almost every game last year. So again, I think there's room there for the Penguins to move one if they wish. And, in an acquiring team would not be taking on such a massive contract. You know, Riedel he makes almost like league minimum. You know, <clears throat> POJ I think makes under a million. I'm pretty sure Mark Friedman um, he doesn't make more, much more than a million either. So you know, they they have the room or they have you know what it takes to deal with one of those players. It's all a matter of you know, does an acquiring team take an interest in one? <clears throat> excuse me, in, in one of those three players? That's I think the big thing. For um and sure, you know, again, maybe you get back a bottom six forward who's, you know, decent killing penalties, maybe he can provide some offense. Who knows? Again, know Niels Huglander. That's the guy I would look to target from Vancouver. I know the Canucks needs some defenseman help. Um, you know, Jim Rutherford always um always knows the penguin system very well since you know he was a general manager here and Patrick Alvine. Um, you know, he he does all the work there too. But um <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I do think, you know. If there if there is a move that's going to be made, probably going to be a depth player that you know you can just you know replace pretty easily. And at that point, you know you have your salary cap space. You can move some forwards down to Wilkesbury and all that, and you might even have a little bit more cushion of space, um, <clears throat> you know, during the season to potentially add a player. And you know you're you're gonna they're probably gonna have to be dollar in dollar out moves during the year because I mean. If, my, if I had to guess, they probably won't have more than a million or two in space. Um, if they do end up making a, a def move here, so you know, I, I, I do think you know they would want to have as much cash space as they could, and I'm sure um, if they could have made a move by now, they would have. But again, like the prices are just sky high right now. And Monahan again, that's a fourth liner at this point. Sean Monahan, no, he, you know he would have went for a hell of a lot more just a few years ago. I'm going to pull up his numbers going up to hockey reference here from this past season. So from 2018, 19, he he was a 34 goal player, 2019, 20, 22 goal player. The last two years, 18 total goals just has not been the same player. And they still, the flames, they still had to move a first rounder to move a player who is just not what he used to be teams they they're asking hefty prices and you know, this is the flat cap world that we are living in this is why so many teams have not made a lot of moves mean, look at the New York Islanders I mean maybe that's partly due to Lou Amarello not playing 4D chess like some people are saying he was but you know you know this is this is the world we are living in. At this point, so wanted to take a few minutes to discuss that move and you know why I think it's going to be more difficult for the Penguins to trade one of those you know higher paid defensemen than it would be um, a depth. I do I still do think they make a move, but if you had to ask me, I'm I'm kind of leading towards maybe a POJ, Friedman, Chatterweedle, you know one of those three guys. I don't know. I think in a perfect world or in a good world at least, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Ty Smith is playing that shit. I don't see a way he starts out the season. Wilkes, right. I think it's malpractice if he does, uh, to be honest. I think a player like that needs to play. He's played uh, most of the last couple of seasons in, in New Jersey. Um, Gary Ciali does a camp, but I think when you acquire someone like that for John Marino, who was a very steady top-four defenseman for this team, but for the most part, um, that player needs to play, um, at least for I mean, for asking me. But that will do it for this second segment of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Um, For today, coming up in the final segment, we're going to get into some uh, way too early trade candidates for next season, um, and who I think could be moved um, for a you know rental or you know maybe someone with a little bit more terms. So stick around for that coming up in this final segment. All right, I'm back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host Hunter Hodes. You want to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can also follow the show's Twitter. At for Penguins, let me take a nice sip of this Coke here. Mm, I swear that always hits. Um, during you know, I've I've been learning while I've been recording, you cannot cannot go almost like thirty minutes without I'm not drinking something. You know, not, I'm not going to have alcohol tonight, but. Anyways, um, let's get into some way too early trade candidates for next season. Um, I was just saw last season, Dominic Simone, he was moved out in the Ricardo Raquel trade. Zach Aston Reese, he was moved out. I don't um, think he's really signed yet. Anyway, Aston Reese, um, that is. But, you know, for this year, you know, if they they do, again, I said this in my second segment, if they do want to go out and get another impact board, if they don't don't get one before the season starts, you know, it's going to have to be a move that's dollar in and dollar out. Like you saw last year, because that you know, that's just the reality that we live in here. The penguins, they don't have a lot of cap space available where they can just be like, Oh yeah, like you know, we'll we'll ship out a bunch of picks and prospects where you know, like they, they have to ship out players and picks and maybe a prospect to go out and get um, a pretty big fish. And you know, a couple of players that come to mind to me. You know, one that stands out and this may sound weird to you all because he's their fourth line center, but Teddy Bluger, because I'm just not sure, you know, if he's in their long-term plans, you know, it's just something seems off about it. Again, I I scooped this uh, a few weeks about last month, actually, when they made the Jeff Petrie trade that, you know, I heard that he was in the original offer for Petrie along with Marcus Pedersen. So the fact that they were willing to give him up in the first trade, you know, before they had to say, yeah, Matheson's getting moved. Um, you know that I think that tells me that I think they're not super confident in his in his abilities, just overall after this season. Because remember, like his contract is up after this year. You know he's you know decent at what he is on the on the fourth line, decent penalty killer. But you know in the playoffs, these last couple of years, you know hasn't really done much um, for them. And you know you you need your fourth line center, especially if you want to make a cup run, to at least be decently serviceable for you. And I don't think Teddy has done that. I definitely could see him being moved um in the deal um, if it's right. Another player, I think, that could be moved, potentially Brock McGinn. I know a lot of people have been saying that during the offseason here. Um and you know, I, I I think it would have made sense to move him, but I, I don't think you know Ron Hextall's is ready to give up on him just yet. I thought he had a really solid first half of last season. Second half, though, not the same. Was hurt for a little bit, came back. Obviously, was not the same player. Had a goal for them, I think, in the playoffs, and then obviously took that pathetic penalty um, in Game Seven overtime, where he's just like holding the stick. I mean, you just cannot do that, especially when it, you know looked like the Penguins were in the offensive zone there. Um, you know, it would be nice to get that two point seven five million off their cap book. Um, well, off their cap, cap. Excuse me um, for being technical, um, but I just don't see that happening right now. But again, I, I could see it next year because again, you know, the Penguins they did trade two fourth liners at the deadline last year, you know, could we see history repeat itself here? Um those are the two main fours that I think I'm kind of um looking at <clears throat> defenseman wise, you know, maybe Pedersen, but I think they would also just like to ride it out with him. Don't think they would touch Doomlin during the season. I mean I think that would just um if, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep Doomlin um going into the season you have to keep him throughout the year. I think that would just be um ridiculously dumb. I thought I don't think anyone from the top six would get out. I'm um, not even Jason Zucker. I think if you're not willing to buy him out this year, sure, which I support, I don't think buying it out would have made any sense. If you're not willing to move him in a sounder camp dump to free up 5.5 million and attach a high draft pick, um, why are you looking to move him and a deal? I mean, m- maybe it could happen, but um, I do see that as a little bit unlikely um, for me. Uh, maybe Kasperi Kapman, I think he could potentially be trade bait. If he's not having a good season, I could definitely see Ron Hackstall being like, okay, you know, we can attach him here as kind of like a dump to make the money work. Maybe we can, you know, have another big asset here to get another forward back, and you know, maybe a team goes for, maybe it doesn't. But you know, I could definitely see him being trade bait um, either next year um, or the year after. But I think especially um, this year, I, I don't think Jeff Carter is going to be dealt. Um, he's going into the, you know, the last couple of years of his contract with his extension. Um, you know, outside of that though. I don't really think there's too many other uh, trade candidates for during the season. Um, If none of these depth defensemen are moved and they just send someone down to make it a defenseman, um, I'll I'll include the three that I um, had for the finals for the the last segment, which I think could be the move before the season. And, you know, I think they can move one of those depth D in a trade for four, like, you know, POJ, if he's not getting all playing time, Mark Friedman, um, Chowder Weedle, you know, those kind of guys, even though I do think the penguins like being pretty deep. On defense. So I think those are the main players that I'm looking at for you know early season trade candidates, Brock began Teddy Gluger, you know, POJ, Mark Freeman, Chad Reedel, Kasperi Kapanen, maybe outside chance, Jason Zucker. Uh, you know, prospects-wise, I mean, I don't know, Sam Poulin. Um I mean, it's just I mean, I don't think they would trade Valteria Pustin in. Uh, I don't think they would trade any of their draft picks from this year's class. Um, you know, I, I'm not really too focused on that, just because the Penguins they they always like to include include a high pick and at least one prospect um, in there anyway. But um, I think that'll do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I really appreciate all of you listening to this one. Next week is the final final week, um, well full week of this month. We are almost. To September, if you all can believe it, after that, September starts on thir- uh, on that Thursday. Um, so ha- half of the week after is August, but after that, September is finally here, and then we'll get training camp in just a few short weeks. So almost out of the dog days, really excited um, that you all keep listening to the show. And I'm just, you know, really getting happy that we get closer and closer to hockey season um, coming back. So yeah, thank you all so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, And I'll talk to you all on Monday. Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend and go Steelers.